It's time for the Drive's Top 4 at 4. Hour number two of the Drive Underway Fan Run Radio. Top 4 at 4, here's Marcus Young. Thank you, Russell. Hat number one, got some news coming out of Nashville as the Titans have said that they are going to switch to a new synthetic turf at Nissan Stadium. I saw that. They are tearing up the grass field at Nissan Stadium and replacing it with a a synthetic surface before the 2023 season. They announced the change today, which the team has already started working on, saying that it has been difficult to grow grass at Nissan Stadium since its opening in 1999. I'm not a grass expert. Ultimately, quote, there's just a limit to how much we can have done for a natural grass surface in this part of the country. This turf is cutting-edge technology and will be a huge improvement in terms of consistency and performance. So will the Vols be the guinea pigs on that stuff against Virginia? I guess we Oh no. Yeah. Probably so. Oh, no. I mean, look, I'm actually happy with this because part of the article later says that the Titans led the NFL in each of the past two seasons with the most players uh, injured and used, including setting a league record with 91 players most in a non-strike season because of injuries. And there have been a couple non-contact injuries on that field. Uh, it, it's got the point. It kind of reminded me. Remember when uh, the grass expert boy? Yeah, botch. And how, the field painted how many all year long. injuries yeah. and like other SEC schools hated coming here to play? Yeah. They called it the beach. Kind of like South Carolina was this year. Where they put all that sand on the field. I mean... I've heard from people that were down there firsthand, Russell. They dumped a ton of sand on that field. At South Carolina? Yeah. Well, wasn't didn't they have severe flooding? It was underwater for a good chunk of the – Yeah. They had, you know, the tropical storms and whatever. So it was like playing on a beach volleyball course. No wonder poor Hinnon hurt his knee. I that, – that field has been terrible, man. I mean, it's been a little bit better in recent years, but for so long at Nissan Stadium – especially in the early years, by the time you got to November, that field, it was just a mud pit. And it was a little bit better this year. All the injuries, like, I don't don't know. You you can see some studies that say, well, there's actually fewer lower extremity injuries on field turf. And the technology there has improved greatly, for sure. Um, I'm not buying, though, the it's really hard to grow grass in this area of the country. I tell you what, man, I watch – English Premier League football, soccer, every week. And those fields, and they are up in almost the Arctic North at, at times. And then they have more moderate locations in there. All 20 of those fields, 20 teams of Premier League every year, they are immaculate. Immaculate. And they have full-time people over there they have those lights that you can roll to get create artificial sunlight and heat and warmth for the field in the dead of winter as they always look good so don't tell me that you can't grow grass here in middle tennessee and they do they're not a lot of stuff like i know specifically at the etihad uh the man city man city plays there man city women's team plays there they are constantly, oh yeah, constantly using that stadium for concerts. Just do what they do, and, get, and it, it looks like something from Augusta. Get some of those experts over there, throw some money at it, and get. They're not going to do that. They're just going to do what they've announced today. But at least it'll look better later on in the season. Hat number two, some interesting uh, Pro Bowl 
additions for the NFL. Uh, quarterback Derek Carr, who has already been <laughs> announced that he will not He's be returning bowler. to the Raiders. Yeah, he had such a great season. Will be representing the Raiders yeah. at the Pro Bowl. The other one, uh, Tyler Huntley, yeah. is going to the Pro Bowl. He of the two touchdown passes? He is, yep, the last it's a Pro time. Bowl season right there, yeah. man. He's had two touchdowns, three interceptions uh, <laughs> this season. It is the lowest amount of touchdowns passes touchdown passes by a quarterback to be elected to the Pro Bowl since Mike Borrelle from 1975. Oh, Mike Borrelle. Remember him? He had six. Six touchdowns for Mike Borrelle. Uh, within that top four list, by the way, Titan great uh, Vince Young had 10 touchdowns and made it to a Pro Bowl. Top four? Vinsanity. So, yeah, it's just a joke of a Pro Bowl, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's you, literally a joke. You, you know what? Two touchdown passes is going. Josh Dobbs had two touchdowns, two interceptions. Ah. <laughs> One less interception. That's Hey, you could make the case. I think you just did. I think I did, Josh too. Dobbs, put him in the Pro Bowl, you cowards. At number three, uh, according to a report, Nick Saban has reached out to ex-Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt for the Alabama defensive coordinator position. So Pruitt was the Crimson Tide's defensive coordinator for two seasons before leaving to coach the Tennessee Volunteers back in December of 2017. Cornbread. Alabama is looking to replace Pete Golding, who accepted the same position at Ole Miss this month. Pistol Pete. Dodd reported from CBS that Pruitt would face long odds of actually getting hired by Alabama because of the circumstances surrounding his departure at Tennessee. But there is uh, at least some... They've also talked about bringing him in in an off-the-field capacity, which... Which he does often at Bama. That seemed... Yeah, but even... I guess Botch did it. I think Charlie Strong did it. Uh... Kiffin and Sark were on yeah. the field. Was I thought Sark started as a He might have started off the field. So I, I don't know. It just seems like that is a precipitous fall for a former SEC head coach to come in and now all of a sudden you're in a cubicle breaking down film all day. But I it guess is. if you really love football. All right. Gotta do what you gotta do. Yep. And finally at number four. Uh, the owner for the Denver Broncos, Greg Penner, apparently went out to Ann Arbor for a second meeting with Jim Harbaugh. Saw that. The uh, owner may have actually made a miscalculation when meeting with Michigan Wolverines head coach Jim Harbaugh for the second time. According to Mike Sando of The Athletic, it uh, surprised other candidates for the Broncos head coaching job and uh, may have rubbed some of them the wrong way. Yeah, I saw where D'Amico Ryans basically turned them down and said yep. he's taking his name out of the running. Yeah, according to the report, Harbaugh, uh, that, along with this report, Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and Dan Quinter were considered the big-name targets for the team. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, Harbaugh's already said that he's going back to Michigan. If Broncos I'm, have become kind of a train wreck post-Payton, haven't they? They really have. Everybody kind thought of? they were going to – Everybody thought the Russell Wilson trade was kind of the thing to get him going again, and that blew up in their face. Think about this. I know they had some good years with Andrew Luck, but since Peyton left, Indy hasn't really been the same either. Is, is it their own version of the Manning curse when you get when no, you I lose them? It's you either, you either, in the NFL, you either have a quarterback or you don't, and both those teams had one of the best that ever played the game. 
I mean, rarely do you have like a Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers transition. I mean, look what happened to the Patriots since Brady left. Yeah, that's true. You have a, a great quarterback and you don't have a really good backup plan. Like the Colts thought they had the good backup plan in Andrew Luck. and He got tired of playing football. I mean, Honestly, I'm glad he did because when that nerd left, the Colts just fell apart. Wow. Wow. Marcus Yard off the top rope. We have never – I don't think we ever beat Andrew Luck. I think he retired undefeated against the Titans. So, yes, it hurts a little bit. I'll call him a nerd every day. <laughs> he like, he's not walking it back. Like 6'4", 240. Yeah, it doesn't mean he's not a nerd. Oh, he lost all that weight. Didn't you see him? The He was on TV, I think, all those one of those do. games. And, like, he looked almost unwell. Yeah. Like the lineman, like, what's uh, is it Joe looked, Thomas? I tell you who he looked like. He looked like Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. I've abandoned my child. Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> Top 4 at 4 brought to you this afternoon by Matlock Tire and Auto Service. Five locations in Farragut, Lenore City, Maryville, Athens, and Hardin Valley. Check out Matlock online, matlocktireservice.com, home of the price match guarantee. Bring in any competitor's ad, and they'll match the exact same tire for the exact same price. Open lines, you want to jump in, 865-546-8200, your number to get on board, 546-8200 if you want to chime in. You know, Marcus, you led with the Titans turf situation. You were telling me there is a – Slight rumor. New, new Titans quarterback rumor. Slight rumor. out there. Yep. So there's been another rumor, uh, actually from a similar source from the Michigan. Uh, Mike Sandos said that apparently there's oh, Mike a, Sandos. There's an executive. Take it to the bank, baby. Who the hell is Mike Sandos? He works for the Athletic, so I trust him. Um, apparently, there is an executive in the NFL. No names mentioned who believes that the San Francisco 49ers will be trading Trey Lentz to Tennessee and have Brady as their starting quarterback with Brock Purdy backing him up. What are we giving up in this? There's nothing that's mentioned about a a trade. I I would imagine we talked about how there was that rumor of a third-round pick. I'd give up a third-round pick for Trey Lance. Don't know if I'd go any higher than that. But, and uh, releasing Tannehill in this? I don't know if I give that a third. I mean, he'd have to pass a very stringent physical because I, I was reading an article yesterday, the day before they were talking about like he had a, a broken ankle with ligament damage. And I mean, there's all kinds of nerves. You know, you can have nerve damage. Mm. It's the kind of thing where you could have nerve damage and you can get something called kind of uh, like Keith Schuler's injury, drop foot. Is that what it's called? I think that's what Heath had. Yeah, where you get drop foot, and that's where you get nerve damage in your ankle, your foot, and you basically your foot's. I, I realize, what you're, I, and I agree, but we I mean, don't have a viable he, backup option. Even if you do keep Tannehill, you don't have a viable backup option. Well, you find a backup in the draft, and I think Dobbs is a viable backup. option. I think I like Dobbs, but like Tannehill doesn't stay healthy, just as much as Trey Lance probably doesn't. But he's younger, more athletic. Plus, the 49ers have Brock Purdy. He's clearly going to become the new starter. But if you bring in Brady. That's not necessarily true. I mean, he's got a 
they're trying to figure out now if he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. They're hoping that they can uh, – there's two ways you can treat that ligament, um, and they're hoping that they're not going to have to do Tommy John surgery. But even not doing Tommy John, it's going to be six months before he's really all the way back from it. And then you're talking six months from now is August 1st, which, you know. Is Brady really plug and play at – 87 years old, however he is. I mean, uh, no, seriously. You, you put so. him in there, and I know they've got weapons. I know they've got a good offensive line, McCaffrey, yep. uh, receivers, and all of that stuff. Obviously a good defensive team. You plug him in, and your Super Bowl, boom, just like that. I mean, they couldn't block the Eagles the other day. What's Brady going to do? What What would Brady have done on Sunday behind that line? He'd have gotten killed. I mean, I, I guess you could say he could get rid of it quickly, but – it's just such a short-term thing, and it's so weird because you're looking at a franchise that coming – like you had three quarterbacks at one point. You had like Purdy, Garoppolo, and Lance, and now like Brady is almost just – any team that brings in Brady is just like, all right, this is our plan for 2023. Like 2024, who knows? We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And it just seems like nobody wants to be that way in the NFL anymore. Sure. I Maybe mean, you gotta. I doubt they'd even be talking about bringing Brady in if Purdy doesn't tear that ligament Sunday. There's a lot of people. I was driving uh, to take my kid home when, uh, like, in the middle, right in the middle of that game, right around halftime. Whoever the Fox National former player is, it's on there. I mean, he was roasting Purdy, just roasting him, basically calling him out for what? what for not for trying not to get back in there. It's like. You know, I mean, dude, you have no. You're sitting in a. You're sitting in a studio somewhere. You've got no idea what's going on with that guy, and then you come to find out he's basically got a shredded elbow. He can't throw. He can't grip the ball. Can't feel his fingers. Yeah, the 49ers were rather quickly screwed in the NFC Championship game. That you had your fourth string quarterback out there. Like, if it's crazy. Like, yeah. there's no way they were going to beat the Eagles with with Josh Jackson or Johnson. Josh Johnson, but but then it gets worse. Your four-string quarterback got his egg scrambled, and you got to put in your third your third-string quarterback back in there with a blown elbow. He threw two what two passes? And he could throw it left-handed. Is he amphibious? I should have put the dog back <laughs> Sorry, there. What? Quarterback. What did, what did you say? Is amphibious? He what? Uh, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I just who, who, who was the guy who who said that? I don't know. Actually, you, you, you've never heard that? I don't think so. He's some amphibious. basketball player back in the in the. Like 80s had a famous quote. He said, I'm amphibious. I can shoot both left hand and right hand. When was the last time, if they were to sign Brady, when was the last time a quarterback won three Super Bowls with three different teams? Nobody's ever done that. Exactly. Like, that would be something to watch for if he actually did it. Like, you don't think he would want that? I don't think he'd look. I don't, if I'm them, I don't, I just, I don't see him being the answer. I mean, he he didn't look good this year. God must really have hated his wife and kids. Oh, you bet he did. Supermodel wife, his kids, his gazillion dollars. Heck with y'all. He could just go play behind this crummy offensive line for another year. Get my eggs scrambled. Get them broken. Because I'm I'm telling you, man, that that get up he wears with his cleats and the way they have to tape up his ankles and his bottom of his legs. He's starting to look like Dan Marino, man, at the end. Remember how Dan? Oh, yeah. Yep. He, 
He's milking it for all it's worth, man. At least he was more successful than Dan. 865-546-8200. You say that as if Dan Marino was some kind of bum who never accomplished anything in life. Did he win? Did he win it all? He didn't win it all. But he if you ask people won a lot of games, threw for a lot of yards, did a lot of cool stuff. It's true. I'll give it, yeah, that's fair. Football people tell you, Dan Marino, I mean, I, I just happened to see uh, a video on Twitter last night. Like, there, pe- somebody was talking about, it was a video of him. He does some behind-the-back 40-yard throw and just drops it right now. I mean, it was during, you know, practice. But they got a really good point. If, if Mahomes or Brady or any of the guys now did this, everybody would just be on the floor talking about they were otherworldly. Come on in here. Better be careful besmirching the good name of Danny M. Ian Rappaport, one minute ago on Twitter, says the Broncos and Sean Payton have ramped up talks, and former Saints coach now appears to be a top target to be Denver's new head coach. Man, he's going to have to get. I mean, who's their GM right now? Still LA? I have no idea. LA was doing that whole GM and yeah, they're executive gonna have to, thing. They'll have to give some picks to the Saints. They got to make a so I some think compensation there. Second or higher, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't Is he know. worth that? Does Peyton Look, own? I would love Sean Payton as my coach. I'm not saying Titans sure. specifically, but just in general, he would be one of those coaches that I would just run through a wall for. But. Giving up a first rounder when you've already given up your first rounder yeah. for a quarterback that's not doing yeah, anything for you. A lot, man. With that new coach, I, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder, could he? George Patton is. The how GM. would uh, much better would Russell Wilson look getting coached by Sean Payton? Yeah, I mean that's a fair point too. I mean you're not wrong. I think maybe with his offense, it seems like he had a lot of success with another undersized, fairly elusive, quick quick quarterback true yeah i don't know it's it's one of those things where i you also have to kind of rein in wilson because i think he's too too what big-headed man like he's a weird dude the whole let's ride thing like it feels like it really made everything about himself and i think it rubbed his teammates the wrong way He's you gotta, a dude. Yeah, you got to rein him in like because the other thing too is that drew Brees was always seemed like a very Yep. Selfless guy. Yep. Kind of the opposite of Wilson right now. Quick break. The drive continues. It's Fan Run Radio. More of your phone calls coming up. Fan Run Radio. The drive continues. 865-546-8200, your number to get on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Let's get Phil in here next. What's up, Phil? Mike, how you, Debbie? Hey, Philly. Are you bearing uh, Marcus, though? Doing well. You sound a little stuffed up, Phil. You got the crud? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You got the Rona? No. It's bad cold. Bad cold. It's going around, man. It's just it's ugly stuff. Yeah, talk. you're you're fighting through it though. You're like, I ain't missing my phone call to the drive today. I like it, man. That's a level of toughness right there. Well, I tried to call Jake Snake last night, but the drainage got too bad and I had to cough off. You know what I mean? Oh, you had. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's happened to me before on the microphone. You, sometimes you just gotta take a step back, bad, gather yourself. Bad feeling, ain't it? Yep. Yep. 
Kyle, uh, well, we're number two in the country, number one seed. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully this thing will work out this time. Like you said earlier, uh, Rick Barnes performs better the higher he's ranked as a seed. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to get I, – I know there's a, a added level of pressure and expectation that comes with being a one seed, but I want the easiest path possible. I don't want to have to run into a, you know up-and-coming Cinderella team in the second or third round. I'd, I'd like to have, be a favorite for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, and uh, to do that, they have to win the SEC regular season and beat Alabama here. That's the what they'll have to do to get it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could probably win it at sixteen and two if 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 you beat Alabama. Um, if they beat you and those are your two losses, then Alabama's probably going to have done pretty good. So, I mean, it it does feel like a two team race at this point. But, yeah, I, I do think that – hey, man, first of all, it's kind of like the same conversation we had in football where it was, oh, man, would you rather, you know, just take the L to Georgia and then go 11-1 and and sneak in the playoff that way as opposed to having to play Alabama again in a rematch right. for the championship. And my thought process in that was always, no, I want to win a conference championship. Like, I'm, I'm here to win hardware. I want trophies. I want to hang banners. And that's the way I feel about basketball. It's like, I want to win the SEC championship, first of all, just because it's winning a championship. But second of all, you want to be seated as highly as possible for the big dance because ultimately that's that's how these seasons are judged, by how you do in that tournament. Well, I will say that Tennessee has a more difficult schedule than Alabama does in the SEC uh, the rest of the way. It'll be interesting to see how, how they – Alabama comes out the next couple of games. I don't know. I, you know, was reading an article or tweet earlier. Somebody was just wondering, you know, if, if they've kind of hit a hit the freshman wall a little bit with those young guys. You've also got the kid that uh, is no longer in any way affiliated with the program, but he's sitting in jail on a capital murder charge. You know, they didn't. They yeah. had two games in a row where they did not look good. So no, that's right. Uh. It'll be interesting to see, and then uh, football next year. Uh, I think the uh, the floor ought to be uh, ten and two. It's not fair to Josh Heupel, I don't think, when you lose the kind of player he lost in Hooker and some of the weapons around him. But if you're building a championship program, I I, I do think that you have to set the goals extremely high. And like Topmeyer was saying that. Uh, you sit here today, and it's it's early. There's a lot of unknowns yet for not only Tennessee but the opponents and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you are probably looking at a situation where Tennessee is going to be favored in every game except for Alabama and Georgia. Well, I mean, the other the other thing he he did say that was a really good point was with the way Milton looked against Clemson and winning the Orange Bowl. Uh, I mean, we hadn't we hadn't seen a whole consistent game like that out of Joe, so that went a long way towards kind of settling me down for the off season, Phil. Yeah, and uh who are they gonna get for a third string quarterback over there? They gotta do something. I mean, I don't you gotta get some kind of body in there that 
if worst case scenario happens. Yeah, it's slim pickings though in in the portal at this yeah. point, and you might be going into it with Joe, Nico, and your walk-ons. And we got the kid from that he brought with him. Yeah, and I mean that changes how you play, right? Because you're not exactly cutting Joe loose as far as running him and stuff like that. You want to protect him a little bit if if that's the case. Well, they ought to be better <clears throat> offensive line and running back next year, so the quarterbacks hopefully don't have to run as much. I don't know. I mean, hell, we're losing. I saw he was mocked in the first round today. Darnell Wright. Well, there, there's have to run. Like, that can mean different things. You have to run because you're scrambling, you're flushed out of the pocket, your offensive line's getting beat. Or, like, I look at it, you have to run because you want that to be a threat. You want to show the Florida's defense, Bama's defense, hey, we, we run this thing and the quarterback's going to keep the ball. And you have to be prepared for that. And that opens everything else up. So, like, I, if if you have to hide that a little bit because you're afraid of your quarterbacks getting hurt, I think that hurts your overall effectiveness in offensively. Oh, absolutely it would because then you're taking off the table. You know, how many times do we see Hooker go anywhere from five to, like, 35 yards? Just rambling. Well, I just like to get first down to keep the, uh, the sticks yeah. moving. Uh, that's what I want the quarterback to run for if they have to – you know, I don't care about the big old long runs because I don't want to get them hurt. No, but uh, I, I think if Hooker, you know, when he was healthy, you, you go into a game expecting him, I think, to keep it like eight to ten times. If all you got is uh, Joe and, and Nico, I, I think you probably go into these games, especially earlier in the season with Joe. I, I don't think you want him running that much you still want to run a little but like maybe five times a game no, you're not going to need to run to play florida you would think not speaking of florida aren't they in a bad shape down there aren't they hate it for him phil go gator <laughs> sunbelt uh, billy is not exactly flying high down there in gainesville these days a lot of whispers rumblings of discontent in gator nation Really breaks my heart. Where's the Kentucky fan who calls uh, calls it all the time? He said he's busy for uh, all these weeks when Tennessee was on in Kentucky, and then they uh, come down here and beat us, and then you know he was nailed all over. But now Kansas beat Kentucky, and I heard I had a hard word from him yet. In his defense, he did call in uh, in the first hour, yeah, and did couldn't couldn't hold through. We we. He dropped. He'll probably call back. I wish you cut him off. See Phil wishes we had cut off the call we didn't actually take. Yeah. Through his uh, NyQuil-induced fever dream this afternoon on the show. Marcus has some breaking news. We go to the Fan Run Breaking News desk for the first time today. Got a two-for-one special for you, actually. Oh, all right. Double dose. Number one, we were just talking about it, but the Broncos officially are going to hire Sean Payton. Wow, okay. So this is the compensation, according to Adam Schefter, that will be swapped. Denver is going to get – so I didn't realize this because I forgot about it. Uh, Chubb got – or not Nick Chubb. um, Bradley 
got traded to the Dolphins. So Denver has a first-round pick this year that they are giving up once again. <laughs> so Denver is going to uh, give away the 2023 first-round pick and next year's second-round pick. And in exchange, they get Sean Payton and the Saints' 2024 third-round pick. So they will not draft this year. I wonder what the Saints in the first, are do with uh, this. first round. But they got Peyton. They got Peyton. And so the, go, he is tasked with the Russell Wilson reclamation project. They have a Super Bowl winning coach and quarterback, but can they actually combine that for themselves? We'll, well find out. Top flight town. I mean, they and they were Jerry Judy's at. I mean, they had like really good receivers. Judy, uh, as I recall, is extremely fast and really good at catching a football if it's thrown to him. Yeah, just if they can stay healthy because their other wide receiver, Sutton, uh, who's really good, got hurt. Uh, and then the double dose is that, according to Ian Rappaport just a few minutes ago, that the uh, defense coordinator for the 49ers, D'Amico Ryans, has agreed to terms with the, te- uh, the, the Texans. Houston Texans. I almost said the Tennessee Texans. For the Houston Texans. I don't know. He worries that. me a little bit down there. I think they'll have a good defense, but I think offensively they're still going to struggle. Why are you worried about D'Amico Ryans at Houston? Wasn't he part of those teams that back when we couldn't we just couldn't buy a win over them? You talk about as a player? Yeah. Why would you be concerned about a guy who's a never been a head coach? He's a winner. He's a winner. I, mean, no, I, I don't know. He's got a I Jeremy Pruitt was a winner before he came here. That's true. Um I'm sure their defense is gonna be real good. It's all gonna come down to who he gets as an offensive coordinator. Agreed. So a couple head coaching vacancies yep. have been filled. There you go. Keith says, why can't Heupel sign an elite running back? We've had this question before. I think you've even asked this question. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're trying. They brought in we'll a, a four-star from Ohio. Is, I think Jordan Marshall is a guy they are having good dialogue with. I, I don't know that there are a lot of five-star running backs out there anymore. Like when you go to two four seven or on three and and just like the top players and are like how many five star running backs are there? I'm, I'm going to say there's only one or two. And they usually go to Alabama, Georgia. Well, and you know we have this conversation in the NFL all the time about how running back has become a de-emphasized position, like mm-hmm. it's just not as important anymore. And I think that could be true at the college level as well. You you always want to have the best players you could possibly recruit, but I think the the three guys we got right now, Small, Wright, and Sampson, are good enough. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the way most NFL teams. I mean, me see who's the NFL. who's the Eagles running back? Like I don't even know. Off Miles the top Sanders. Of my head. Miles yeah. Sanders. And, and McCaffrey's. He's the, at he's the as, exception to the is the gold standard, but who's going to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Those guys aren't playing against each other, but the Chiefs have always had running back by committee. The Patriots have already had always had running back by committee. I mean, Georgia's had Georgia has not had a bell cow back the past two years. They always run a bunch of guys at you. Alabama ran a bunch of guys at you. You had the story about Josh Jacobs in the athletic last week about how he was overlooked in the recruiting process he's as good a back as they've had aside from derrick henry down there i'm not again you want to sign the best possible players you possibly can 
I don't know that it is essential to have five-star running backs in this offense. So in 2023 for 247, they had two five-star running backs, Cedric Baxter Jr. and Reuben Owens. And then on, Household on, names. On three, just had Cedric Baxter. Where'd he go? Both go to uh, – Cedric went to Texas. But I will say in 2024 for 247, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Actually, they have ten running backs in the top five. So or uh, five star, excuse me. So ten five star running backs on two four seven. Wow. There's only like twenty five total. And then uh, almost fifty percent. There's only it. one on on three for two thousand twenty four. Of course, he's looking at Georgia. Is, is that and act, it's like twenty? There's twenty five five stars, right? It's different every year, but roughly, yeah. So you're talking almost half of the five stars are going to be running backs. Let's see. Hold on. Are they linebackers too? Oh, I didn't even think about. Here, let me try something here. Yeah, but on three's only got one for 2024. Who is that? So that is Jarek Gibson. Kid at IMG. Yeah, and he's looking at Florida or Georgia. Of course. I think he's looking at Tennessee, too. Uh, like Tennessee's been in on him. I think Tennessee was thought to be an early leader for him. Where do we stand with, with uh, that knucklehead East coach here that's down there? Did that get fixed, that, that issue? Niedermeyer? Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, probably not. Cena's still in a position where he could. I mean, he's their damage. defensive coordinator. Last I heard. But here's the thing, too. You brought up a really good point when it comes to like how many five stars are like actually important. How many first round running backs do we see anymore? Like yeah. that's the thing. Like running backs can be a dime a dozen. That's yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is it's just become a de-emphasized position throughout football and. You're hearing more and more, like I remember Eddie George a couple of years ago said if he had it to do over again, he would have played tight end growing up because he took so much punishment playing as a running back in the NFL. And it's not like tight end is a cakewalk in the no. NFL, but he would it's have rather played there. as a running back. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think the it used to be the best athlete, like starting in peewee football, you put him at right, give him the ball, right? It's not like you're running some complex, high-flying, air raid offense at you know extremely young ages. So you put your best player there, and they probably still do that. I'm not scouting a lot of pee wee games these days, but it's usually one of your faster kids, I'd imagine. But it feels like those kids are getting moved to receiver as pretty quickly. You see, high school football. You know, it used to be just 20 years ago, everything was grounded pound. Nobody threw the ball here in East Tennessee, anyway. And nowadays, everybody throws the ball. They're all running the spread and crazy high flying offenses. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll tell you what happened. What I noticed about the drafts: it's offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and then just the skill position guys and the you know DBs on defense, high profile players. But well, the uh, again, there was uh, – I think it was the same article that talked about Josh Jacobs being overlooked. Uh, the Pro Bowl this year – I think it was the official NFL All-Pro team had one or two guys that were five-star. I think it had like one five-star and one four-star recruit on offense. All-Pro. Everybody else was like a three-star or lower. Right. And then defense 
it was something like 80% of them were blue chips. Four and And, five stars. Yeah, and, you know, because we could have the same conversation, and we have, about the offensive line. Why can't, why why is Tennessee struggling to sign elite offensive linemen under Heupel? Why is Tennessee struggling to sign elite running backs under Heupel? You have this high flying offense, and it's not like it's a finesse pass first offense. They've, Averaged over 200 yards a game both seasons he's been here. I think they scored the most rushing touchdowns in all of football. We did last year. We run more than we throw. I mean, they they run it all over the place. So on one hand, maybe that you should be capitalizing on that better and signing a higher caliber of prospect at running back and offensive line. But on the other hand, if the All Pro team is any indication, maybe you don't need to. If last year is any indication, Tennessee had the best offense in college football. I know we had a couple of guys, you know, Darnell Wright was a five-star. I guess Brew was technically a five-star coming out of high school. And there's some four-star guys sprinkled in there. But I'm guessing the star cal- you know, rankings were much higher for Alabama and Georgia than they were for Tennessee, and yet Tennessee had the better offense. Well, in other words, what, 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 we, we talked about it. What was the number? 66 for Georgia? Four or four and five star players. Mm-hmm. We had somewhere down around thirty. Yes, it's twice as many, indeed. I feel like when you talk about offensive line, I remember us being worried about like Gerald Mincy when he first came and not yeah. knowing, and the fact that he played pretty outstanding. And on two four seven, he was a three star. Man, I mean that's something that's so refreshing about Heupel's system is. You would get in the past, it just felt like even when Tennessee got a good offensive line prospect, it was like, well, he's going to take two years in the system. You know, you're in the weight room, then you got to get his feet wet playing a little bit. And Heupel's been able to plug that dude in as a starting left tackle. He got something out of Jeremiah Crawford, who was not very highly thought of in the recruiting game. And he's been able to plug and play pretty well here. Would Cooper be the only like higher profile offensive lineman on that starting line? He was a three star. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he was necessarily that high profile. I'm trying to think of like Which if again, any of those guys were He wasn't. Like you you go back and find some of those guys, I guess. Those undersized three stars. He's got heart you can't measure. You can't measure heart. He more than anybody he's more that's old. Uh is a throwback to like the the old days when he's more like a typical like '90s style Tennessee offensive lineman, just blood and guts, baby. Tennessee kid. Tape up them elbows. Got a couple crooked fingers out there. He don't care. Get his nose blooded. He's tough. I used to like the former would always say that about the young guys. Oh, he got in there, got his nose bloodied a little bit. Like what, coach? What does the fact that he has a nosebleed have to do with his progression as a football player? Oh, it's toughness. How can you expect to play football well if you've never had your nose bloodied? Don't, don't you guys don't wear face masks? Your nose bloodied. What are you talking about? <laughs> Stay with us. It is the drive eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. If you want to chime in this afternoon on the program, quick timeout. We're back with more right after this. Go through spore 
social media interaction here this afternoon on the show. Hunter says, if there's one thing we knew about Pruitt, it's that he'll uphold the rules of recruiting with great respect. Looking forward to those reductions in scholarships in three years. Thought we'd already reduced them. I don't know. Is he an Alabama fan anticipating scholarship? They're not going to come after Alabama. No. They yeah, I don't know if he'd still been down there and doing it. I mean, I, I think there is the possibility. I don't think you have to wait three years. I, I think this thing is going to be locked up here in the next couple months because they're either they're either going to come back and say, "All right, Tennessee, what you did is enough. This is over," or they're going to say, "Well, what you did is is a lot, but we have to put on a show here and at least act like we're levying out some penalties." So, like, you know. We're going to take away two more scholarships this next recruiting class, and your coaches can't be on the road at this spring evaluation period or something like that. I, I mean, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if that happens. Wouldn't it be the end of the world? Known Dullard says, more and more are hopping into the pool of prosperity, realizing that this team is good and it's time to stop being such a bunch of quivering weenies. Okay. Thank you uh, for using the word weenies. Who do you think he's talking to? He's <laughs> talking to the Mars bashers, the, the people that are just waiting on the other shoe to fall. I don't know if you thought of anyone specific. Yeah, you or... knew who you know who it is, Marcus. You're wanting Russ to name you wanting Russ to name, name, I'll name people. It. I'll name names. Who? I mean morning show Adam Hickman. Oh <laughs> I mean there's so many of them. Like it's it's not a small bunch it, it's a small bunch proportionally to our entire fan base but it it's a it's a vocal minority yeah, crazy uh, vocal i'm just gonna say when when zakai leads us to an elite eight or further i hope uh i hope adam apologizes publicly that's what i would like yeah i mean ziegler has been so good this season and especially of late yeah, like you, there was never a good time to be making that criticism. Now is especially not good. Do we have that audio? Yes, Rick Barnes do. talking about Zakai Ziegler yesterday. Here's uh, our head coach talking about the guard that one of our morning show coworkers would uh, take eight other players over. Well, it's something we talked. From last year on, really starting to understand what it, what it, what a point guard does, and uh, you know he's such a team player. And I'm not sure there's a guard in the country that's impacted the game as much as he had. Certainly in the month of January, I mean he has been terrific in every area that you could ask him to be. Uh, Zakai is very unselfish. He's a tough, hard-nosed competitor that just uh, he wants to win, and uh, but he has really embraced the fact that that he does want to play the game different than he had through the years in terms of, I mean, he can shoot the ball, he can score the ball, but really trying to make his teammates better. And, and I, I would say it's not just been this month. I think it's something he's really worked on from the time that we started with this team, knowing that he would uh, needed to do that. And, uh, so, and once it starts to click for him, and I think it is, I think he's seeing the court in a whole different way than he ever has. I think his vision seeing it uh, and I think it's slowed down for him seeing all 10 guys on the floor nine guys on the floor and seeing what's going on 
So he's playing better than any other guard in the country right now, according to Rick Barnes. He's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I'm not trading him for anybody at I this point. I wouldn't either. Follow him into the breach. Brian says, if uh, we're going to call Russell out, Pat Summit didn't go into labor in Seattle. It was Pennsylvania. She was recruiting Mich- Michelle Marciniak, who signed with Notre Dame, but eventually transferred to Tennessee. I, don't, I didn't realize she was a transfer. Where did I say she was She was giving birth in Seattle? Yeah, you did. I know she won her second national championship there, I think. That might yeah. be what I was thinking of. They're pretty close in the state, if you think about <laughs> they're, it. They're, they're really not. They're in the same continent. What do you want from me? That is true. They are in the same continent. Spinderella reference on the show today. Stop, stop making excuses. <laughs> Accept responsibility. You screwed up. It's okay. I did. Maybe I just quit, did. Uh, I didn't have to read uh, that tweet calling me out. I was going to read it if you didn't before the end of the show. (laughs) Hell, I wasn't. I'm tagged in it. You know, maybe maybe don't call your coworkers morons so much. No, I'm going to keep doing that. All 865-546-8200, your number if you want to get on the show this afternoon. Russell Bear and Marcus cruising with you. Ben Slotnick is here with us in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. The Igbonison dude is going to Ohio State. Eh, it doesn't really bother me, man. Really doesn't. Not after reading the, the Dellinger article and that had just the way all, that kind of played out just looked to me like, and I could be completely wrong, it's just my opinion. It, it kind of looked like it had heated up. I think you used the phrase yesterday in a kind of an NIL kind of deal. And doesn't bother you, but if he had come here, you'd have been fired up about it. I'd have been pretty. I, I never really <laughs> got that. I, I didn't pay that much attention to it. I probably should have. So, does it feel like whenever anyone says the Dellinger article, it feels almost like an FBI yeah. report? Like his name just Who, sounds the like Pentagon the Pentagon Papers. Yeah, yeah. The Dellinger Report did came you see out. See the uh, Dellinger article about uh, so the, did, Louis did, Free did you report. not read it? Well, no, I did. I just wanted to point out the sound of his. You know, it um, does have a very kind of official state business ring to it. Well, it was, uh, he reported on the the new rule changes, and they're I strongly. If you follow this at all, I read and, it. The three there are three coaches named in the Dellinger report yesterday. <laughs> Put the X Files music. Actually, there was one program prominently named in the Dellinger Report. Miami. Did you see that coach recently talking? That video, trying to hype up Miami. He said, uh, "You know, they." He compared Alabama and Miami. Said something along the lines of, uh, "They're close to each other." Well, he said that uh, you know they may enjoy their Saturdays, but you know it's Tuscaloosa. It's not Miami. It's like, yeah, but I think I'd enjoy my Saturdays a little bit more winning. I think I'm okay with being in Tuscaloosa if I'm winning rather than Miami. Uh, I mean, what do you think about it? it, it, it what I can't even think of his name now. Embignison. Sure. Igbonison is what Igbonison. I was going with. I think our secondary was the weak link of Tennessee's roster, well, sure. and we need all the good players we can get back there. I think it's a bummer that he's going to Ohio State. I think Tennessee could have used him. I'm not going to argue that. 
I'm just saying I'm 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 really nervous right now, especially about a kid that's gone. Uh, Why about Why? every Power I mean, Five for, school in the country? So people are wondering if, if you didn't read what uh, Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, wrote about. He's basically writing a, a big long piece about how the big bad NCAA has got a new president and they're going to come down hard on all these schools that are using NIL money as a recruiting inducement. And what do you expect them to say? We're yeah, powerless. but the, 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 the subtle change is that they're, they're saying the big thing that jumped out at me was that they could take news reports or tips from uh, or tips from people and use that as evidence that it, it put the onus back on the schools. So what? You're guilty until proven innocent. So what? Don't talk to them. No, they said it's in response to it. Did you read the article? Yes. Read the whole thing. Yeah, they, they can use – and in the past, they would have had to have some sort of official piece of in, information. A witness would have had to say, School X is doing this, and only then could they go investigate. Now they're saying they could use reports from you know, reputable news sources as the basis for an investigation. You still don't have to talk to them if you're the prospect. They have no subpoena power. I'm, I'm going to reread it because I, I, the, there was one paragraph in particular that I, I, read, I, I read a lot differently than your read on it. If, if – if it were a big deal, people would be talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. You know why? NCAA is the boy who cried wolf, man. They have no power. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. Maybe they should. But I don't think they do. Stay with us. Hour number three of The Drive coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio.